Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Maonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They have lived in it, and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment, or plague, or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours. But gods. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them on the edge of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendour of his holiness, as they went at the head of the army, saying, 
Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. So Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king of Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. His mother's name was Azabah, daughter of Shilhi. He followed the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The high places, however, were not removed, and the people still had not set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. The other events of Jehoshaphat's reign, from beginning to end, are written in the annals of Jehu, son of Anani, which are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. Later, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked. He agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships. After these were built at Ezion-Geber, Eliezer, son of Dodavahu of Madashah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The ships were wrecked and were not able to set sail to trade. Hello, Westminster Chapel. I hope you are well. Um, it's great to be speaking to you again. Um, my name is Ben Lindsay, for people who do not know me. Um, I'm Ben Lindsay. I'm CEO of a charity called Power to Fight. We empower communities to end youth violence. And I'm also author of a book called We Need to Talk About Race, Understanding the Black Experience in White Majority Churches. And um, it probably was around this time last year that I came and uh, spoke to you, uh, which was brilliant. It was great to spend some time with you guys um, and share the word of God with you, but also to spend time with Howard and the leadership team which was just brilliant just really good time really good space uh, to talk about race which was interesting because it was uh, before the George Floyd situation in America and therefore I think that conversation hopefully put you guys in some in a really good space slightly ahead of the game for the subsequent conversations which came from that so yeah it's a real privilege and just want to say thank you for all your support uh to to me personally and also to my charity powder fight it's been great just uh, to to see how 
the Christian community has got behind some of the initiatives that I'm involved in. So thank you very much. Today, I would like to talk about hope, about choosing hope in this time when we are dealing with so much tragedy, so much uncertainty around coronavirus, vaccines, uh, homeschooling, isolation, all these things. Um, I really felt at the start of the year that as Christians, we really have a choice to make whether we are going to be pessimistic um, or even optimistic, but maybe what we really need to be doing is choosing hope, to be hopeful and to put that hope on our foundations who we know to be Jesus Christ. So I want to look at um, some verses from the Old Testament, verses which came to me at the start of the year, and they're from 2 Chronicles 20. Um, we've just read those verses, and these verses are, are very powerful, very, very uh, poignant verses to where we're at at the moment. And as I unpack this and to see what God wants to say to us about this, I think, again, the question is, how do we respond in times of hardship? Um, how do we respond when things are not going our way, whether that's on a micro or macro level? Um, and how do we do that for 2021? So we've just heard those verses from 2 Chronicles 20 and just a little bit of history, really. Um, it's all about King Jehoshaphat. And what you you have in the, in the previous chapter, in, in chapter 19, is Jehoshaphat. He is uh, king of Judah. And he allies with... Uh, king Ahab, who is king of Israel, uh, to go to war against Ramoth Gilead. Um, and to be fair, this kind of partnership between Jehoshaphat and Ahab is not something which really should have happened. I don't think Jehoshaphat was even that keen on the partnership. So much so, um, he asked Ahab, you know, what advice, what wisdom are you getting to actually go to war against these guys? And um, Ahab was like, oh, I've got loads of prophets. I've got about 400 prophets who are all kind of telling me um, that we, this is a good idea. And Jehoshaphat, in his wisdom, kind of says, well, is there anyone who disagrees with you? And, and Ahab says, yeah, there's this one guy um, called Makiah. And, you know, he, but he always says bad stuff. So Jehoshaphat's like, let's hear from this guy. And um, basically, this prophet... Um, Makir basically turns around and says, you know what, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, in fact, Ahab, if you go, you're going to die in this battle. Um, Ahab doesn't listen. He dies in the, in, in the battle. And at the end of it, God is actually angry with to with Jehoshaphat for to, for like siding and partnering with, with Ahab. But in his wonderful grace and mercy, which we've all um, had, he, he forgives him and... Um, and shows mercy to him, shows grace to Jehoshaphat. And then we come to chapter 20. Um, and now in chapter 20, it's almost like Jehoshaphat has learned his lesson and has surrounded himself with wise counsel. And what we see in chapter 20 is now the situation where it says a great multitude is coming against you, which basically means everybody wants to war against Jehoshaphat now. Um, that everybody's coming against him. The, the Mobites and the Amorites are coming to take out Jehoshaphat and his kingdom. And it's this line here, uh, a great multitude is coming against you, which I really 
connected with my spirit and my soul that I think for a lot of us, the last year has felt like a great multitude, a great tide has come against us. It might have been COVID and lockdown one, lockdown two, lockdown three, school shutting, not being able to see our friends and families. For some of us, we may well have lost loved ones in this time when, um, in this time of, 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 of great disease and we might have known people who've lost their jobs. It's been an awful time. And then on top of that, as I mentioned earlier on, George Floyd happened in America, which uh, for many of us was very, very painful to see uh, the conversations around systemic racism um, and police brutality, which we see in this country as well, play out on a, on a, on a global scale. Uh, we have to understand that some of us have had financial issues off the back of what's gone on, particularly with COVID. A great multitude has come against us. So in these verses, what does it tell us about how we are to operate as Christians when uh, the great multitudes are coming against us, when there's problems in our community, in our society, personally? Well, I have helpfully... <laughs> broke this up into six parts. There's there's six ways I think we can choose hope on a regular basis through this uh, these verses around Jehoshaphat and some of the decisions he makes. So before I get into it, I just want to pray and then hopefully you'll find this really helpful and encouraging as we move forward. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak your word to your people in this time, in this time where uh, it feels desperate and hopeless in this time i pray that we as christians as your ambassadors choose hope choose to put our feet on your firm foundations look to your promises lord we can't do this in our own strength so we say holy spirit come right now wherever we are uh, virtually come and just uh, strengthen us and give us wisdom and counsel and let us hear your your quiet whisper in your ear to encourage us at this point Holy Spirit, help me to speak with wisdom and, and courage and bravery in your name. Amen. So let's have a look at six ways we get to choose hope when we uh, look through these verses. And let's look at the life of Jehoshaphat in this. So number one, how do we choose hope? Well, what we see really clearly is that King Jehoshaphat reminds himself of God's blessings in the past. It says in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 7, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend he right now is reminding God of the blessings that he's already poured out on his people and I think it's really important that when we're going through hardships one of the things that we can say legitimately God where are you where are you right now and I think we don't always remember the wonderful things that God has already done in our lives. And I think it's something we have to train ourselves because if we don't, we can become a pessimistic people. This is how we choose hope, by reminding ourselves of the wonderful things God has already done for us, with our families, with our loved ones, how he's provided for us. Let's train ourselves to remind ourselves and give thanks to God for what he's already done. Reminding ourselves who God is and of his blessings, that is one way of us choosing hope in, in, in negative circumstances. Number two, how do we choose hope? By crying out to the Lord, by crying out to the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 20 verse 9, it says this, if disaster comes upon us, the sword 
judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before the house and before you, for your name is in this house. And, and this is the key bit, cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. In these times, in these desperate times, in these times of uncertainty, who are we crying out to? Jehoshaphat here is very clear. He's crying out to the Lord in his affliction, knowing that he will hear and save. Who do we cry out to? Um, do we cry out to, to, to people whose hope and, 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 and faith isn't in our Lord Jesus Christ? Do we consistently take our, um, our guidance uh, and our knowledge from, from the media? What do we do? Well, right here, there's a clear direction to cry out to the Lord. He's willing to listen and his promises are that he will hear and save us. Number three, how do we choose hope? By taking the right counsel and encouragement and wisdom. We choose hope by taking the right counsel, encouragement and wisdom. 2 Chronicles 20 verses 14 to 15 says this, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahazel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benariah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asper, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. What a beautiful line. The battle is not yours, but God's. You see, I think Jehoshaphat has learnt a lesson. He wasn't taking wise counsel when he was partnering with King Ahab. But right now, you see all these different people who are encouraging him and saying, listen, listen to what God's saying. The battle is not yours. It's God's. A few things here. Number one, for me, it's so helpful to, to, to take the burdens of this world off my shoulders to know that the battle is not mine, but it's God's. You know, uh, in the world and the work that I'm in, particularly as a CEO of a charity which looks at such a big issue such as youth violence, there's been times when I felt, oh my goodness, it's my responsibility to solve the youth violence issues of the nation. Or when I wrote a book about racism, I really felt this burden. Like, God, this book has to be the, the game-changing thing, which is going to particularly get the church galvanised to take racial injustice seriously. And I have to remind myself, these verses here, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. What a wonderful encouragement to know that we can rest easy knowing that God has got our backs. God sees the fuller picture. Um, I think we have to show humility. I think sometimes we, we push ourselves beyond our station. But the battle is, is not yours, but God's. But also what we've got here is Jehoshaphat taking wise counsel. Again, in my own life, I'm really fortunate that I've got people who are older than me, who are, who are further in their journey, um, in the pathway of life, who I can turn to. And I've also got younger people who I can engage with and get wisdom from them. They always say, that, don't they, like, Look at your, your last 10 texts or your last five texts. Who have you texted and engaged with? That will give you an insight into who's um, influencing your thinking. My encouragement here is if you haven't got wise counsel around you, seek it out. 
there's, I'm sure there's great people in your church, but the beautiful thing is, are we accountable? That's number one. And are we teachable? Here, what we see is Jehoshaphat's learned a, a valuable lesson and he's got some great wisdom and encouragement in these verses. So that's number three. Number four, how do we choose hope? Always when it's possible and, and tempting to go down the route of despair by standing firm in our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Chronicles 20 verse 17, it says this, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go again, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. These are beautiful verses that sometimes when, um, you know, I think it says in Psalm uh, 46 where it talks about being still. I think we don't ever want to look at that as being static and not being active. But the idea here that we can stand firm when everything is going on around us, when all these things are, are really kicking off, are we standing firm in the word of the Lord? Are we standing firm in prayer? Are we standing firm in worship? Are we standing firm in the assembly of the believers? Are we standing firm in a position where we can hear words of encouragement and prophecy? Are we standing firm in the love and the security of Jesus Christ? Or are we shifting left and right getting information from social media, getting information um, and anxiety and worry from other people? Are we coming back to scripture, which is our, is our rock and our foundation? Stand firm. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position. Brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging you more than ever, stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. God hasn't suddenly just disappeared because of coronavirus. He hasn't taken a day off and been like, you know what, I've been busy for a few billion years. I need, a, I need a vacation, crack on. And all this pestilence is now coming. It doesn't work like that. He's the same God. Yesterday, today and forever. Stand firm. And those scriptures, these scriptures which were hundreds, thousands of years ago, still remain true today. So that's, that's number four. Number five, how do we choose hope? By worshipping, giving praise and proclaiming his name to others. And I know this is really difficult in this time of, 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 of virtual church. I've struggled to engage because I really love being around people. But this is what we're called to do. In, 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 in verse 18 um, of 2 Chronicles it said, 20, it says this. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground reminds me of that uh, Matt Redman song Face Down incredible song then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord worshipping the Lord and the Levites and the Kohathites and the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord the God of Israel with a really loud voice in their time of despair when the multitudes were coming Jehoshaphat still directed people to worship the Lord worshipping is great it, it cleanses our souls it reminds us how great the Lord is it takes the attention of ourselves and puts it where it rightfully should be at the throne of our Father in Heaven and it continues in verse 
20. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he'd taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast life endures forever. Interestingly, in the time of hardship or when the multitudes are coming, it's almost like Jehoshaphat goes hyper evangelistic. <laughs> he went out. And stood out and said, hear me, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. I suppose there's an encouragement here. Who on, in your, in your neighbourhoods, in your, your work colleagues, right now needs to hear the hope of Jesus Christ? This is an incredible evangelistic moment. We hear stories all the time that people are becoming Christians in, in these dark times because they're, for the first time, having to turn their gaze upwards instead of inwards. Is there an opportunity for you to, like Jehoshaphat, shout to the nations, shout to the inhabitants and, and cry out and say how great our, our Lord and Saviour is? And then finally, um, number six, to choose hope. How do we choose hope? We are to rest in him. Now, this is interesting for me, the, the term rest, because um, at Powder Fight, we, we, we've fortunately been given some incredible coaching from some guys who are really great at management and organisational structure. They've worked for some incredible uh, big corporations and they're given their time to us for free. And one of the things one of the guys said to me was, um, what's your word of the year? For, for 2021 always management talking they told me their words and, and they said Ben go away and think about it over Christmas what's your word for 2021 so I thought about it and their words are like stuff like lead and you know galvanise and all this it's all great stuff but for me that stuff kind of become it comes a little bit easy like I feel God has given me a gift to lead what I find maybe harder is this word rest so that is my word I said, I'm going to rest I'm going to I'm going to learn to rest not in a context of I'm going to just sit on my on my backside and watch Netflix uh, with a bag of crisps and a, and a bottle of wine. Um, gives you an insight into into some of my uh, Friday nights. But um, no, I'm going to learn to rest in in the Lord. And and if these verses uh, in verse 29 in this chapter says this, and this is these are beautiful verses. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And this is the beautiful bit in verse 30. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all round. My beloved, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that's my prayer for you, that God gives you rest all round. Gives you rest all the time round, all year round. That even when stuff is happening, you, you sense this quietness, where it says the, the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, and you feel the, the inner peace of who Jesus is in your hearts and minds, even when things are going on and it's kicking off around you, that's the word, rest in him, turn to him for, for his peace, for his wisdom and his counsel, but for his rest, I pray that God pours it out into your hearts. 
So those are the six things there. Um, six ways to choose hope. Remind Number one, remind yourself of God um, and his blessings on your life. Number two, choosing hope by crying out to the Lord. Number three, choosing hope by taking the right counsel and encouragement and wisdom. Number four, choosing hope by standing firm in who Christ is. Number five, choosing hope by shouting out his, his, his name, by worship and giving praise and proclaiming his name to others. Be evangelistic in this, in this time of despair. And then we choose hope by learning to rest in him. If there was like an overarching word uh, for, for what these verses are telling us, it's to, we are to trust in Christ in the dark times. The world is changing. Circumstances have has changed the way that we live life, but God has not changed. He remains consistent and loving and constant in our lives. We are to trust him. And I just want to finish with, with this. Um, my mum, who is a devout Christian on New Year's Day, sent me uh, an incredible sermon from uh, Charles Spurgeon, which he delivered <clears throat> January the 6th, 1867. Um, and it was called Good Cheer for the New Year. And he, you know, you know these old, these old school preachers, they just take one, one verse <laughs> and um, basically, you know, preach an hour long sermon on, on it. And he spoke from Deuteronomy eleven twelve, but in in those um, in that sermon he said this, and I just want to read this to you and just finish with this. If you put these things together: intense affection, personal interests, unwearied power, and then if you remember that all this time God's heart is actuated by unchanging purposes of grace towards you, surely there will be enough to make you lose yourself in wonder, love and praise. You have sinned in the past of your history, but your sin has never made him love you less because he never looked upon you as you are personally considered, nakedly, and abstractly abstractly in yourself. But he saw you and loved you in Christ in the eternal purpose, even, even when you were dead in trespasses and sins. He has seen you in Christ ever since, and he has never ceased to love you. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know and hold on to the confirmation that Jesus Christ has never ceased to love you. He is for you. He has not forsaken you. Hold on to him as your hope. Choose hope this year. Choose hope. I'm just going to pray um, and I'll, I'll leave you to crack on with your day. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we get to choose hope that we know that the hope of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. We know that the local church is the hope of the world. And we just pray at this time where there's pain, there is suffering, there's uncertainty. And every day we get to make a choice. Are we going to be pessimistic? Are we going to wallow in our despair? Or are we going to turn to the one who knows not just what's going on today, but what's going to go on tomorrow, what's going to go on from a thousand years from now. The one who gave it all up who, the perfect one who, 
who didn't sin, who died for our sins, so we can have eternal life, that we can be in the presence of our Father. Lord, I pray for your peace and rest to fall upon us in these dark times. But let us see your light flood into our lives and in the lives of others, because we are your ambassadors. Holy Spirit, we need your strength and endurance to do this. Help us to always give thanks to who our King Jesus is. In your mighty name, amen. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.